In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord arises upon you. Isaiah 61. When I think God has gone away, I pull out this verse and ponder what it means. God's always with us. He's amongst us. It is we who drift away. Glory arises upon us. So when we feel God is blessing us because we turn to him and remember to open our Bibles, our humanness is so apparent. God wants to bless us all the time but it's our brokenness that locks them out not his turning away our fears i can do this alone turns our backs on the one with the light the one with the glory the one for whom we should arise shine for our light has come always remember this good afternoon welcome to the social homeschooler i'm your host vivian mcnelly Wow, I have some serious precipitation to report from Texas this week. I don't follow the Weather Channel, and my resident weatherman was strangely silent on the subject. So on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. when it started to snow, I was completely taken by surprise. I watched mesmerized as about two or three inches fell during the day, along with the temperatures. Then a disappointment hit something I hadn't even considered. Our second night at the Force Head Festival was cancelled. Guest musicians and singers who were participating were calling in to report that they couldn't make it in. So, although we could have limped our way through the show with God's help, a decision was made to cancel and not put people's lives in danger. In Texas, when it rains, people's lives are in danger to say nothing of the snow and ice. The previous evening had been a great success. We'd spent all day at the church practicing and setting up for the boar's head, running through lines and trying on costumes. Other volunteers were putting the finishing touches to our lavish medieval feast, and the aromas from the kitchen kept our mouths watering through most of the afternoon. In the evening, our church sanctuary was packed with parishioners and their guests all ready for the performance. The show was a delight of medieval music, singing, acting, and joking. The children were excited and the adults were sobered by the message that God sent his son to redeem the world and bring it back to life, depicted by the awakening of spring and personifying life to drive away the cold and powerful winter. Dinner was as good as its wafting aromas promised. We had roast pig and potatoes and green beans and cabbage and trifle and figgy pudding for dessert. On the upside, my youngest daughter and her boyfriend attended this performance, which made me glad. I was sad we couldn't do a repeat performance on Sunday evening for those who had tickets and had decided to wait until Sunday. 
Um, during the week, the temperatures got down to very low, below freezing, and extra blankets had to go on the beds. None of the zoo animals were out on exhibit, so people brave or silly enough to make a visit to the zoo were admitted for free. They were able to walk around what in essence became a large, deserted park with only the odd squirrel or bird on show. Malia and I are going to San Francisco this weekend. A dance school from England is auditioning in America, the West Coast, and the East Coast. And since we've both been to New York, we decide to head out to San Francisco, and we hopefully will be will get one full day of sightseeing. I mentioned last week that Malia and I have been busy, and this is what we, or rather she, have been preparing for. I organized all the mechanics to get her to this point of no return, and she did her last full out practice today, and we fly this evening. Hopefully it may be a little warmer in California. As she was practicing yesterday, she told me she realized she'd never performed a solo in front of a group of people who mattered. By this, she meant who were going to be judging her and deciding if they wanted her in their program. I decided this was a good thing because she wouldn't be blasé and the adrenaline would help her. She's done auditions before, but nothing quite like this. And during the week before Christmas, I had found a choreographer to work with her, and she learned her dance in four one-hour sessions. Then I arranged for her to practice at the local rec centre, where there is a room with a mirror. As I told her sagely, it's all very well going over it in your head or marking it in your bedroom, but getting your body used to the full-out execution of the steps is essential. She could find no argument with my logic and agreed to use the available room each morning for two weeks to work on her dance. We filmed it a couple of days ago up at her college in the black box, which turned out to be a perfect informal space. That was an experience in itself, but she finally managed to get a take that felt good to her. Now we can send the piece to other schools that are not coming to America for auditions, and she can try out for multiple programs with the same dance. Thank goodness for a filmmaking son who knows how to capture, edit, download, and upload this stuff. I wouldn't know where to start. So we all make a good team. Malia jokingly confided to me that she needs to increase her stamina. So every once in a while, we'll, note the wheel, go and run around the pond. She's in better shape than I am, but then I'd expect that. She's more than a quarter of a century younger than me. Her face-to-face audition in San Francisco comprises a ballet class, followed by a contemporary class, followed by a workshop, then her solo, followed by an interview. The interview is the only part where they may cut people. The powers that be have assured us that she will get to do her solo if she's still standing. And what will I do while she's expending all this energy? Well, I've already picked out a few books, so I may be able to find a coffee shop or a hotel to sit in and while away the afternoon. I'm mostly looking forward to the day before when we can just be tourists and ride the trolley and look at Alcatraz and eat on Fisherman's Wharf and gaze at the Golden Gate Bridge. Well... Time for my book excerpt, and I'm reading from the chapter entitled Quality Not Quantity, and I start a serious search for friends in all the places I know. Best. I needed friends, my husband needed friends, although he claims I am all the friends he can handle, and the children definitely needed friends. We had to begin the process of integration. How are we to proceed? Our lives were pretty rich and normal, barring the fact that we didn't enroll our children in an institution designed for under-18-year-olds, categorized by age and identified by grade. Although Wildflower was, by definition, a school, the ratio of child to adult was one to two. 
each class had a student membership of one. They were all top of their classes, teachers, pets, and leaders in their own rights. They were friends with everyone in the school, but when judged by the birthday present pile, that didn't amount to much in the outside world. We tried to integrate ourselves during the past seven years of our seclusion at home. The fact that we made an effort wasn't lost on those who cared to ask, co-op, gymnastics, choir. The evidence of our results were meagre, not, and it wasn't was not too obvious to the vigilant, namely my husband and me. Adhering to our original intent to make ourselves an island, an exclusive one at that, was becoming more and more difficult to do as the children grew older and could discern for themselves what life on planet Earth was like for all the other inhabitants. Now we reluctantly agree that active steps needed to be taken to fold in the outside world, otherwise our children would go wild with unrestrained freedom if and when they ever left the safety of the family basement to attend college in the not-too-distant future. Armed with all the social graces we could muster, we methodically began our search for age and gender-appropriate friends again. Since we lived in an ordinary house in a quiet neighbourhood, we started identifying our immediate community as potential candidates for the friendship states. Unfortunately for us, and this would be the case even if we public schooled our children, we had no children in our neighbourhood. I don't mean by this that we had children, but through my homeschooling Birkenstock blinders, I couldn't see any that would qualify. I'm being literal here. Our neighbourhood was sprinkled with retirees who really didn't relish the idea of having pesky youngsters frolicking under their feet. They clung like oysters to the ancient cliché that children should be seen and not heard. Despite our homeschooledness, we didn't adhere to that rule of conduct. Perhaps we should have. Young couples who were parent wannabes also flocked to our neighbourhood to fill in the gaps. They were attracted by the quiet streets, a a dead end at the time, and schools that weren't too bad, just one bad, as my uncle would say. Then we noticed one day a neighbour who had somehow fallen below my friend seeking radar. They had two girls, so I homed in on them discreetly to see if they would qualify as companions for my daughters. Immediately, I noted one was way too old for us, probably the first reason for failing to detect them. The younger girl was exactly the same age as Malia, give or take a year or so. Upon scrutiny, I found her to be at school most of the time, a nimble disappearing act on her part. I also discovered she had quickly found other friends when she started kindergarten, who lived up a street and several doors away. So on these two factors, she successfully eliminated herself from the running. As my daughters gained years, they did co-mingle with the youngest neighbour daughter, sporadically. The liaison didn't endure, in part because she surfed the internet and also because she had other habits she didn't ingratiate herself with us. She also tended towards claustrophobia when it came to the armoire we had taken to keeping our girls in. What happened to these young couples who had moved in to start families of their own? Well, in case you hadn't noticed, we no longer live in the neighbourhoods of the 50s. They had babies and returned to work pretty quickly. No unrushed coffee mornings in these houses. They left their offspring in daycare centres and then to attend the surrounding public schools. The neighbourhood remained quiet and childless for the most part. With the neighbourhood exhausted, where was I to search next? Well, every self-respecting member of the Christian homeschool movement has a church in which they're active. We had a church. We went several times a week and thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. We were the only homeschoolers who attended, a breed unto ourselves. We became church leaders and made a few friends among the early morning congregation, whose average age was about 85. The children joined the children's choir when they were young, which was exclusively for children, six of them to be exact, four of mine and two others. Shades of Gloria, our early babysitter all over again. 
Sunday school, when it finally kicked in, catered for about 20 children, spread between six classes, mostly in the K-2 age range, and the high school youth group. Two ends of the age spectrum that did not accommodate my children. Strike number two. When friends cannot be made within appropriate age ranges at preferred places of worship, active church members have to branch out. So I turned to the local homeschool association. I had been paying my annual dues for years, and this was where we spent our Friday afternoons. So I decided that an informal trip to the featured park that month may serve as well. I took all my children, reasoning that if the noisy bowling alleys and busy skating rinks of our Friday jaunts were anything to go by, we'd have more than enough children to choose from. I further had visions of each of them being able to hook up with someone not only of their own age, but also the same culture and mindset as us. I miscalculated so badly. And I'll be back after this break to finish this off. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Hello everybody, this is Pete Dix asking if you'll join me on Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. What a show I've got in store for you. Not only all the Apple reissues that I'll be looking at, some very rare tracks indeed, a report on my evening watching and listening to Neil Innes of the Ruttles and the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. So please join me, Pete Dix, with Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, I'm back, and uh, we're right in the throes of trying to make friends, and we had gone to a park, and... um, there was nobody at that park except for one woman and her son. 
And this was her first trip out to the Homeschool Association. And she must have thought she'd struck gold when the five of us showed up. She became my friend for a little while, like all homeschoolers, except me. She was needy and different. And as I got to know her, I realized she was a throwback from one of my down-at-heeled, ragged friends I gravitated towards during my childhood. Her child was a very obnoxious, only child. She seemed in constant conflict with him and later admitted to always being in a bad temper when she sat down to teach him. Why homeschool then, I asked innocently. My husband thinks that we should, a short but evocative explanation. Apparently, the father denied that there was anything wrong with his son until finally his wife suggested that he take over the teaching for a week while she attended a retreat with her church. The boy was enrolled in public school shortly thereafter, a sad but common fate among some of my peers. So despite the fact that I enjoyed her company in an eccentric kind of way, the boys begged me not to include them in playdates with her son. I have to say that during this friend search, all my children grew closer to one another, further encouraging me to keep outsiders at bay. However, I persisted, convinced that there were friends out there just waiting to be found and folded. Well, my guest this week is Judy Wanook, who is a veteran homeschooling mother of 26 years. Judy works for the curriculum company Sunlight and is here to encourage homeschooling parents of young children to pick up the banner and march with it. Good afternoon, Judy, and welcome to my show. Good afternoon, Vivian. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, Whereabouts are you? I am located in snowy, cold, central New York State. Okay, I will not argue that fact with you, because although we've had snow and it is extremely cold here, we are looking forward to some glorious weather this weekend. So, uh, huh. All right. So um, you're used to the snow, I suppose. Absolutely. I grew up here, so it is not new to me. All right. Do you like it? Um, If I had my druthers, I think we would move somewhere else. But right now, this is where we are, so I guess we'll stay. Yeah, a lot of people that I come in contact with say, this is why I, no, they say, this is why I moved from Michigan, and I moved to Texas so that I could avoid this kind of weather. And we say, yes, but this doesn't last very long here. It does get really (laughs) cold, but it's very brief. So, uh, yeah. All right, Judy. Um, Tell me a little bit um, about your homeschooling experience, um, why you started to homeschool, and how many children you homeschool. Sure. Uh, My husband and I have three children that we've been homeschooling for uh, a little over 16 years. Our oldest is now in college and is married. Um, Our second oldest is a senior in high school and is dual enrolled in an online college program. Mm -hmm. And then our youngest is a sophomore in high school, so he will have just about two more years here at home with us. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as what got us started homeschooling, we had some very close friends, um, still very good friends, um, when our children were infants who had um, their kids in a public school setting. Their oldest son was in second grade and was just struggling mightily to learn how to read. He would come home from school each night just frustrated, and mom was trying to help pick up the slack on the weekends, and they just weren't making any progress. And so we talked with them and um, prayed along with them as they tried to make some decisions about how to make education a more inviting process for their son, and they ultimately decided to homeschool. Um, Their young son had been home about six weeks, 
and I went over to visit one afternoon, and he probably sat down and read to me from a book. Oh. And I was just amazed at how quickly he had picked up what two or three years um, of a public school setting had not been able to teach him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that example alone, plus a lot of research and reading that my husband and I did, convinced us that for us at least, home education was probably the best choice. And so that's how we started. Well, that's a wonderful story. And um, not only possibly was, um, you know, the teaching, were the teaching methods not right for, for that young boy, but maybe the surroundings, you know, maybe, maybe you know, you, when you're more comfortable at home, you can learn better for some children. So um, very interesting um, observation there. Um, you work um, for Sunlight Curriculum, which is a heavy book-based um, curriculum. Um, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what you do for Sunlight? Sure. As you mentioned, Sunlight Curriculum is a literature-based curriculum and was one that I was actually introduced to about two or three years into our homeschooling. Um, we had always just loved to read together with our kids from the time that they were very small. And it was very obvious to us how easily they retained um, the information that we read about in story form. And yet when we started homeschooling and using some workbooks and textbooks, they just weren't hanging on to what they were learning. They would memorize it and remember for a couple of days, and then it would be gone. And so when someone introduced me to the concept of learning through a literature base, um, it just really struck a chord. And I fell in love with the curriculum. Um, was approached by the company a couple, three years in about um, possibly representing them at homeschool conventions here on the East Coast. And I've been doing that now for 13 or 14 years and just absolutely love um, meeting homeschoolers every spring and summer Mm -hmm. at homeschool conventions. And then throughout the rest of the year, I do a number of things um, as a contractor for Sunlight. I um, administer their very large forum site where moms from all over the world come and talk about their homeschooling experience and homeschooling with sunlight in particular. So I get to meet lots and lots of people from my little office at home. Um, I also work with their uh, marketing department and work with some product development projects. So I just get to wear a whole lot of hats all under the umbrella of helping families who are either just beginning their homeschool journey or who have been going along and are looking for maybe something different for their homeschool journey. So you say that you um, go to conventions in your um, local area, your state, um, representing sunlight. What exactly does that mean? Do they have a, um, like a, a booth? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and most, most state homeschool conventions do that. They will bring in speakers um, that folks can attend and listen to, and then they'll usually have a, a very large exhibit hall where all different homeschool curriculum vendors come and display their products, and, and I get the pleasure of representing sunlight in those exhibit halls um, in a number of states here on the East Coast. And so are you one of their speakers or what? I have actually, um, yes, spoken at homeschool Mm -hmm. conventions about homeschooling. I've done workshops about sunlight in particular. Mm -hmm. And then I also um, am able to stay in the booth in the exhibit hall all weekend long and folks wander through and stop and chat with me and want to look at our products and Mm -hmm. maybe learn a little bit about homeschooling just in general. So it's a great way to meet homeschooling families. And you say that um, you also 
help them um, with their large foreign site. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people abroad, now are you talking about Americans who are abroad or are you talking about foreigners as well? Actually, actually both. Um, when Sunlight started as a company, um, it was the brainchild of a family in um, Colorado, and they were involved with a missions organization and just saw a real need for um, providing quality homeschooling materials for their colleagues who were overseas. Mm-hmm. And so that's how the company started, um, on a very small scale. Mm-hmm. And by word of mouth, it has just grown over the past 20-plus years. And now um, we have customers, both expatriates and also um, international customers, who have fallen in love with Sunlight's curriculum and are ordering still from our facilities in Colorado. Um, so do you have – I know – a little bit about sunlight. I used sunlight um, for a year, and I also actually paid to get that book list. I mean, your, your book list is absolutely incredible. Um, so I know that you don't actually, you know, sort of say, okay, this is the number of books that you need to read this year and send them all of the books. They're kind of out there for people maybe to go to the library and pick them up or buy them if they want to. And they can actually pick and choose which books they want to use that particular year for their particular, for the curriculum. Is that correct? Yes, we we do have... um packages that we have put together for children in certain age and grade ranges all the way from preschool through high school. And those um, core packages that we call them uh, are history and geography, Bible and literature based, and they include a whole series of books, um, plus an instructor's guide that kind of pulls that all together. Um, and then, of course, we have language arts and math and science materials. But, but the literature core um, you can either purchase as an entire package so that you don't have to go hunting around looking for the books at your library or um, mm-hmm. in other locations, or, as you mentioned, you have the option of maybe just getting the teacher's guide and then looking at the book list and, and choosing where you might want to find your books from if you don't want to order them directly from Sunlight. Yeah, um, I know that there are some people out there who kind of look at me askance, especially when they say you don't use textbooks of any sort. So there are going to be people out there that really, you know, hang on to the text because they feel safe with that, but would like to, um, you know, sort of augment their text with, um, you know, sort of real, you know, whole books and that kind of stuff and gives them an idea of of that kind of of thing to do. So, um, you know, Sunlight works um, in that way for for, um, people. Um, I can't remember when I was doing it whether or not you did a lot of the math. Was was there a lot of math right from the very beginning? Yes, actually, um, we have for a number of years years carried um, different math programs. Now, we don't publish our own math materials. Mm -hmm. We actually carry three or four different math programs that are somewhat based on a child's learning style. So Mm -hmm. we have a couple of math programs that you can purchase that are workbook, textbook oriented. Um, We have another math program that is more manipulative or hands-on based Mm -hmm. for kids who just need to be able to handle their math and um, figure their math that way. We have Um, a math program that is entirely um, CD-ROM based, so Mm -hmm. your students who absolutely love using the computer to do their schoolwork can do all of their math right there on the computer. 
so there there are a wide variety of math programs to choose from, and it just kind of depends on how your child learns best. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, I'm talking to Judy Wanook from Sunlight. Judy's a homeschooling mother of three children and has been educating her young for 16 years. And it's time for us to go on a short break, and um, I'll be talking to Judy more about the Sunlight curriculum and the books after this short break. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The Way of the Toddler with hosts Lita and Lori Hamilton is a show unlike any other parenting program you've ever heard. Zen Masters in Diapers? Yes. Join us Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central here on Toginet as we celebrate parenthood as a spiritual path for a journey to inner peace. With thought-provoking and spiritually compelling guests, each week Lita and Lori will explore how our children help us with the lessons we came here to learn, adding deeper meaning to our lives and relationships while giving you valuable gems to add to your unique parenting toolkit. Check out the website, thewayofthetoddler.com. With great humor and honesty, Lita and Lori will demonstrate how inner peace is possible even when surrounded by poopy diapers and piles of laundry, and what we can learn from the innate wisdom and natural spirituality of our Zen Masters in Diapers. It's The Way of the Toddler with Lita and Lori Hamilton, Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, here on toginet.com. Christian work-at-home moms, here is your own show on Toginet. It's CWAM, Christian work-at-home moms, with Jill Hart and Diana Innan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Um, I'd love to share with you just a little bit about how CWAM can help you, whether you are new to the work-at-home world and just starting out your search, or whether you've been working at home for a while and are looking to grow your business. Jill Hart is the founder of Christian Work-at-Home Moms, CWAM.com, and co-author of So You Want to Be a Work-at-Home Mom. Jill has worked from home from 2000 and started her home-based business to assist other Christians who desire to work from home while maintaining a godly life. And Diana Ennett with virtualwordpublishing.com. I really, truly want to see you succeed, want to share the joy that I have in being home with my kids and being able to build my own business. And she's ready to help you now. Christian Work at Home Moms with Jill Hart and Diana Ennett. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Um, So, Judy, could you tell um, my listeners a little bit about um, the ages that you put the, you know, sort of... At the end of, at the bottom of every book, you know, you do a little description of what the book's about, and then you put, um, like, a couple of ages, you know, for them reading on their own or um, being read aloud to or whatever. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how you come to those numbers? Sure. Actually, um, unfortunately, I I hate to disappoint you, there's no magic formula. (laughs) Usually, those age ranges are determined by the publisher of the book. Okay. So they look at different scales that they have um, sort of 
put together over the years and determine if a, if a particular title falls within a read aloud or a reader age or grade range. And so we most often take the publisher's recommendations for those ranges. Now, I spoke to Sarita um, several months ago, and um, she said she reads a, a huge amount. I can't remember how many books she says she reads in a week. And uh, because I said to her, do you read all the books that you put in your catalog? She said, well, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I just wa- I wondered if you also read a lot of books. Well, I have to tell you, if you ever had the opportunity to see Sarita's office, it is just floor-to-ceiling, wall-to-wall bookshelves. Um, <laughs> how she manages to read as much as she does just continues to amaze me after all of these years. And and sitting in my office, I have a lot of bookshelves myself and a lot of books. So, yes, I am an avid reader and always have been, but I don't think I will ever come close um, to the number of books that Sarita reads in a, on a week or a day, let alone a year. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Um, but I suppose she, she really needs to read the books if she's going to put them out in the catalog with the name okay. of her company on it. So yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> um, so as far as um, a book for you, what makes a good book? I think for me probably a good book um, has to have a good storyline. I I do not find myself terribly interested in books that um, have you know a lot of rabbit trails or or too many characters to keep straight or mm-hmm. a storyline that just is not interesting to me. And so I look for for a good storyline. I look for an author who's able to develop their characters well and keep me interested. Um, depending on the genre of literature I'm reading, if I'm reading um, science fiction or murder mystery or suspense, I want an author that's going to be able to keep me on the edge of my seat and um, not leave me having figured out the end of the story by the third chapter. Um, If I'm reading historical fiction or perhaps a biography, then I'm looking for an author who can take someone's life story or life events and present them in such a way that that I come away feeling as though I've actually known that individual or taken part in the events that they described. And so I think probably for, in general, those are the things that make a really good book for me. And have you found um, in your particular family that if you like a book, all of your children will like the same book? Or do you have a child or children who really just go, I don't know what you see in this book, Mom, but I just can't, I can't get anywhere with it? I think at least for our family, one of the benefits of homeschooling has been allowing our children to develop their own personalities and their own likes and dislikes. So I can tell you for certain that all three of my children do not share um, my love for particular titles. They each have their own interests. But one of the things that homeschooling has allowed me to do is to come alongside of them and read some of what they like, maybe read some titles I never would have considered on my own. Um, But because my kids are reading it, I want to read along with them and be able to talk about those books with them. So I think homeschooling has not only educated my children, but I think it's educated me and opening up my mind and my willingness to be able to read authors and stories that perhaps I wouldn't have chosen myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And vice versa. I mean, help help your children to read. I know that um, for me, if there was a particular book that I just loved and thought, well, they probably won't read it because it's got way too many pages, then I would just read it out loud to them. Oh, sure. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, they always say to me now, I mean, they're all, all older now and at college, they say, those were such wonderful times. You know, they made me f- feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think, you know, I'm reading books like, you know, Wind in the Willows and The Wheel on the School and, you know, Oliver Twist or whatever. And and they just, just love, they just fell in love with the language and, uh-huh. and uh, you know, the, the closeness of the reading. They really enjoyed doing that. And uh, I found I increased my stamina. I used to look at a book and think, there's no way, you know, you go from early childhood books, which are quite easy to breeze through, you know, and you get into these big, long books and you think, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do that? But you do. You, you, you find that you can do it. So Absolutely. And like you said, you make memories. And I know my oldest has said to me often that that's one of the things that she misses the most is just the times that we used to spend reading together. Well, and hopefully they'll take that into their families and uh, recapture it again. I hope so. Well, and in fact, you know, I find that I, I can read to my husband, and I've, I've heard of a lot of couples that read to each other, and I think, oh, how nice. Yeah. So maybe we can develop that in our in our empty nest times Good and idea. just read, yeah, you know, just read <laughs> to each other. Um, so you say you have, um, is it a daughter in uh, college who's married? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, another ch- your next oldest or ne- yeah yeah your middle child is uh, dual, enro- uh, dual enrolled in mm-hmm. online college. Um, so um, why did you decide to do online? Do you have not have a, a community college or did you just want to keep him at home or her at home? Well, actually, she um, had after much research found a school that she really really liked um, out of state. It had the uh, major that she was looking for. Um, We spent some time one weekend and traveled down into Virginia to visit the university. Um, She fell in love with the campus and um, just a lot of what the school had to offer and found out while we were there that this particular school, like many others, um, offers the opportunity to actually begin your college career before you get there. Mm-hmm. And so while she is finishing up her New York State um, high school requirements in homeschooling, mm-hmm. she's also actually started on her freshman year of college. So mm-hmm. when she gets there, she'll be ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly costs less money to take college classes online because you're not paying for room and board. So my husband mm-hmm. really likes that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just is having an opportunity to kind of ease in to um, a college experience um, without actually being there right now. So when she heads to Virginia in the fall, um, I think that she will be very well prepared for her freshman year. Well, that's wonderful. I did that with my children. They actually went to the community college. It was about 10 minutes up the road. And so they actually sat in classrooms with people that were a lot older than them. But they didn't have to give their age. So, I mean, you know, unless the teachers specifically asked them how old they were, the teacher was oblivious to how old they were. And um, they, their performance was, was excellent. So, um, as you say, it saved us two years of very expensive college fees. Um, so it sounds as though, anyway, you had three children uh, of multiple ages, and this is usually the one stumbling block that I come across, anyway, with people who want to homeschool their children, but they say, how how do I do it? You know, I have a baby, and I have a three-year-old, and I have a six-year-old. You know, what? how am I going to do that? What do you say to these moms and dads who say that? Well, when I talk with especially young homeschooling families who, like you described, have maybe one or two children school age but have a toddler or maybe mom has just had a baby, um, the 
the best thing that I can recommend to them is to remember that this is just for a season and you have to be flexible during this time in your life. And so you learn to homeschool when babies take a nap or you learn to um, get your toddlers occupied with their own quote-unquote schoolwork and you tuck them in a high chair and hand them those big chunky crayons and a big sheet of paper or um, perhaps give them some a small pile of sand and some trucks to drive or whatever you need to occupy them um, or maybe even some educational videos. And you take advantage of the times when you can school because, as you and I both know, homeschooling is a lifestyle. It's not just nine to two every day. Exactly. And so you learn to homeschool within your lifestyle. And as your younger children begin to grow older, they are then already used to that schedule and slide into it very nicely. And you also come to realize that there are days when life is just going to happen. Kids are going to get sick, cars need to go to the garage, um, whatever. And so you realize, well, maybe we're not going to get any seat work done today, but that doesn't mean that learning stops. Mm -hmm. And so... We can learn a lot of things, going to the doctor's office or going to the garage with the car or maybe having to go get groceries. And so I think the thing that I continue to reiterate to homeschoolers who have those younger ages is you've just got to learn to flex enough to fit your schooling into your everyday experience. And you saying that it's a lifestyle is absolutely right. And there are still a lot of people out there that want to take the classroom from a traditional school and put it into their home and, you know, be rigorous with it. And I suppose there are some programs that allow you to do that. And both parents still go out to work and they leave their older teenager at home, you know, sort of working on these um, on, on their computer, whatever their their virtual schools um but i suppose it's a step it's a step towards um you know sort of being more involved with your child but trying to convince people that really is a lifestyle it really you know it doesn't matter if you don't get everything that you want to get done that week because there are other times that you can do it and yes they're learning as well but you know, slowly but surely, the public are becoming more and more educated on that, and more and more people we found are homeschooling. And um, we're coming close to the end of our time. And really, before I go, I have to ask you about your last name because <laughs> I was wondering how we were going to pronounce the name, and I was wrong. But um, Wanook is is absolutely obvious. So, where does that wonderful last name come from? My husband's grandparents um, came over for, from Poland when they were young, and their name was not Winuk when they came over, but as many families had to do when they immigrated to the U.S., they changed their name to make it a little more American and perhaps easier to pronounce, and so that's where the name Winuk comes from. Oh, right. Okay. Well, yes, I know. We were just saying about some of these Chinese names that go N, Y, G, you know, whatever, and it's just Yen, and we go, yeah. what? <laughs> so, well, thank you very much, Judy, um, for joining me um, this afternoon, and um, you have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm, as we're going to here. We're going to have a beautiful weekend, and um, I was very pleased and happy to talk to you, and um, I think you gave my um, listeners a lot of information about um, sunlight and homeschooling. Thank you. Very much. It was my privilege. Thank you.
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, we were recording, I should really say filming, otherwise I get into trouble with my children for careless use of my vocabulary, which is vast compared to some of the young people today who limit themselves to acronyms for their texting jargon. We were filming Malia's dance audition earlier this week and I used her still camera and my filmmaking son used his still camera. Silly me. I could have taken my video camera had I thought, but apparently today these petite cameras have video capability rendering two recording instruments superfluous. He and I both recorded the dance on a chip which can be downloaded to a computer later, not by me. I should mention here, I have no idea how to do this part of the process. Since my son is an editor, I thought we could get several shots of my daughter and produce a brilliant professional short film of her performing exquisitely, but no any hint of editing would be cheating it's an audition after all mum came my son's gentle reminder silly me i wouldn't want to be caught cheating now would i after the first three takes malia was despondent and i tried to encourage her but i'm not a natural stage mum so couldn't inspire any fear to do better or else i decided to vacate the space which incidentally was up at her college in the small theater where we were allowed to work unhindered by distractions for as long as it took 
or until 4 p.m., which gave us three hours. When I returned from powdering my nose, she was doing what we had suggested, working on some of the sticky spots that were failing her this particular day. You may not have ever experienced this, but I can guarantee that when you really want to be spot on for something, nothing goes right. She was having one of those bad days. In desperation, she used her phone to text her main squeeze who was off shopping. Her favourite thing to do, and whatever he texted back helped a lot. I hope he's available when we're in San Francisco this weekend. I also want to take some credit for turning things around. I saw her rehearsing some of her tricky spots and she was being faithful to the choreographer who wasn't even there. So I told her the dance was ours now and she could change it to suit her. Her face lit up with a, I can? And she slightly modified one sticky spot and we, or rather she, was away. After three more takes, we achieved the perfect dance according to the dancer. The cameraman, Ian, her filmmaking brother said, Really? That was the best? Oh, why, Ian, she asked. Well, um, because I failed to hit record that time. Sorry. Are you serious, Ian? He was and went on to tell us of six hours of filming he and some friends had lost just the other night because the sound was messed up. These things happen and they bite, he was telling her. Then, just kidding. They do that a lot. Phew, we were finished. On the way home, Ian told me of a new application he'd bought for his iPhone, a script writing app. Oh, and by the way, he could have done this video recording filming on this amazing tool, iPhone, too. Anyway, one of his friends had written a whole script on his phone last night using this new app. I said, wow, I mean, what do you say to that when the large print books at the library are beginning to look like a feasible option these days? As if reading my mind, he said, You get used to writing small and seeing small, I thought, and said, what a shame to reduce your whole world to a three by four inch screen. My son, to his credit, said, I don't see it so much as reducing one's world as having the ability to continue with one's work wherever one happens to be. I thought of the ever-present book I carry around just in case I'm caught somewhere for more than five minutes and nodded in mild understanding. I don't own a Kindle yet, but one would be a lot lighter than the book bag I am wont to tote on long journeys. With his college degree and vast intelligence, which I imagine he supposes everyone has to a lesser degree, he may not think that for every one person out there with similar thoughts, there are probably thousands who will happily sit with their three-by-fours and pass away the hours oblivious to what's going on about them and think their life is it. A dental hygienist once described her job like that to me, her world reduced to the inside of a mouse. How the heck can you sort out your thoughts, your life, your problems by just using what's in your head and the heads of unwise contemporaries and strangers who don't even know who your baby daddy is? Education expands your horizons, adds polish, finishes, grooms and equips. An anonymous person said the difference between genius and stupidity is that genius has its limits. Add to this what Christy Jenkins and I talked about last week, how she cringes each time she sees an interview with a famous person who admits to dropping out of high school and still making it. Parts of our culture seem to lord gritty rap songs and edgy lyrics written and sung by almost illiterate artists. Yep, they may have talent, but if they were educated, their talent would be more rounded. One of my teachers said, in essence, an education system isn't worth a great deal if it teaches young people how to make a living but doesn't teach them how to make a life. 
I read the sequel to Three Cups of Tea called Stones into Schools and was surprised at how Greg Mortensen, the author, who has pledged his life to building schools in Pakistan and Afghanistan to educate women, observed how clever the illiterate folk were he worked with. A lot of them were nomads who live in the wilderness in tents or caves in profound poverty and a great deal of hardship. They know little of the outside world except what news can be brought to them by foot. He wrote about their political acumen, their quick wit, their knowledge of the surrounding area, their diplomatic tact, and their desire for education. He found that some of them could speak several languages. Some of his male acquaintances were talented engineers. His right-hand man and guide was a brilliant diplomat, well-organized with a comprehensive knowledge of the geographical layout of his mountainous country without maps. With no formal education, they knew their raw knowledge would only get them so far. They begged for schools and overcame many obstacles in order to offer education to their people, no matter how long it took. They instinctively knew, as an African proverb says, if you educate a man, you educate a person. If you educate a woman, you educate a family. These leaders and clansmen acknowledged that their women needed educating if their lives were ever going to change. The men of the villages swallowed much pride and made great sacrifices to this end. What touched me most was the contrast between our cultures. In the West... Education is a given and not always treated with respect. In the East, it's a privilege and sought with passion. They believe what Epictetus, a Greek philosopher, said. Education makes you free. Encourage the young people in your charge to use their toys wisely. Tell them not to be fooled by the convenience of a three-by-four-inch world and to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. Deuteronomy 6.5 Don't think smaller. Think into God's eternity. Well, our New Year's Eve this year, or last year actually was New Year's Eve, but our New Year was just another Friday. There wasn't any snow yet. There was no fire, no big parties. Even Simon stayed home and Malia was in by 1am having just gone over to a friend's. However, it is birthday city around our house at this time of year, so we made up for it by having a quiet new year, by having a blowout 19th birthday. We ignored mine. Her actual appearance occurred on the 2nd of January, but somehow we got bumped to the 1st because her boyfriend wanted to take her out on her actual birthday. I suppose the carrying and bearing holds no weight when it comes to boyfriends. Talking of boyfriends, let me impart a funny little anecdote that took place over the introduction of said boyfriend to visiting matriarch Grandmama. Malia was in the middle of singing his praises and came to the telling of his name. Trey, she said. His name is Trey. And she blushed with happiness. We all nodded in agreement. We'd heard this part of the story numerous times. But Grandmama wasn't about to be hoodwinked. Now, Trey isn't really his name, is it? She said, looking at Malia knowingly. Artlessly, Malia said, yes. Trey's his name. Grandmama, not to be thwarted by a whippersnapper, persisted, Trey means the third, so he's got to be carrying his father's and his grandfather's name. Malia looked at her in all her 18, almost 19-year-old amazement and admitted his name was George Patrick III. First we'd heard, well, wonders never cease. Grandmama needs to stay more often to wheedle the oft-reluctant truth out of my children. Anyway, Trey or George Patrick, we've been expressly forbidden to use his given names, even in jest, was taking her out on her birthday, having just returned from a week in Florida with his family, where he missed her terribly. 
So to placate our daughter and keep the season joyous and happy, we gathered the family together on the day before her birthday and cooked freshly made fettuccine with a homemade carbonara sauce, garlic bread, Caesar salad and a hand-blended chocolate mousse with bubbly champagne to drink. None of that meal was left over. And Buddy, our grand dog, arrived today. For the last two visits, he's been here while I've been away. Last time I was in New Mexico, this time I'm in San Francisco. I suppose he's company for the poor folk who have to stay at home alone without me. I'll get to see him briefly on my return. And actually, just before the show, I took him out in the field and we played ball for a while. So he was happy. And this week I was thinking about time. We moved into our house exactly 26 years ago this coming May. When we signed the mortgage, we thought we were only going to be here a year. I'd come from a culture where buying and selling houses was profitable. But after a year of home ownership in America, that became a myth and still is, I think. I was pregnant with my oldest and the house was cavernous. We'd moved from an 800 square foot condo with not much furniture to a 2700 square foot home. I had empty cupboard space and four empty bedrooms for rent. My mother said, not for long, and she was right. That one year is now 26, and I realize we filled and emptied our house and have four children who, if not independent, are ready to be so. And where did all those years go? In Benedictine spirituality, we're charged with stability, and looking back, I think we fulfilled that charge. Same house, same spouse, 26 years later. Empty, full, empty. My blue-eyed cowboy said, thank goodness for all the photo albums and DVDs covering those years. Otherwise, we would indeed wonder where all the time had gone. An era, a quarter of a century, a lifetime, a period of time and occurrences never to be repeated, at least not by us. The next time we move for a year, will it turn into 25 years again? Did I know this was where I would be all those years ago? No. Will I know if I move again, whether it will be my last time? No again. My mother used to say, I didn't need to know the answers to those questions. Furthermore, she said I probably wouldn't be able to handle the answers to those questions if I knew them in advance. And how right she was. Well, I've used up another whole hour, so I'll bid you farewell for this week. I'm off, as you know, to San Francisco this evening. Actually, we don't get in until 11 o'clock tonight. And um, I don't get back until early Monday morning, really early Monday morning, like at 5.30 a.m. So be praying for safe travel and good sightseeing and a good audition for Malia. Thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toggy Net Radio, and my guest, Judy Winnook, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, and St. John's. Ali Lepreet, host of This Little Parent Stayed Home, is coming up next on Toggy Net Radio, so don't go away. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toggy.